This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Tom and Warren on Joy. This week marks the official start of hay fever season. Hey. Oh my God, it's hit me like a brick this year. <laughs> I know you are really red. I am. My eyes are red. My nose is itchy. Yeah, and that's we haven't even got downstairs yet and seen the rash <laughs> that's going on down there. <laughs> and most of us only find out about it when we start sneezing or we do get itchy. Well, imagine if we knew in advance mm. that it was going to be a bad hay fever it must be hard. I think it, I feel sorry for people with hay fever because, God, they annoy the hell out of me. Do you know when you're sitting there and you're trying to watch something? And then I don't sneeze once because my son suffers terribly. Right. Oh, he sneezed like 447 times. There's times I think, just hold your breath, mate. You know, like, <laughs> it disappears. Well, the University of Melbourne may have an answer for us. And joining us in the studio is Associate Professor Ed Newbigin. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Warren. Ed, what are the major causes of hay fever? Uh, in Melbourne, it's it's almost certainly grass pollen. If you've got allergies this time of year, you're going to be allergic to some of the tree pollen. So uh, people love to blame plane trees for all sorts of things. Uh, they're the ones that are flowering at the moment. But in a couple of weeks' time, uh, it will kick in. The grass pollen season will kick in, and that's a really bad one. That's the bad because those those um, plane trees, like you can be walking down the street and swallow one of the whatever it is <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that comes out, and then it's horrible. It yeah, is, yeah. to start that's, coughing. That's sort of that's a different thing. That's not the pollen. That's parts of the seed. Right. It's because you can see that, isn't it? So yeah. the pollen's probably what we're not seeing. That's is the, that correct? It's it's microscopic. You can't see it. Uh, so the, the stuff that a lot of the street traders complain about passes by passing. Uh, pedestrians and so on. That's all comes a little bit later in the year. Yeah. That's when all the flowers are finished doing their flowering and produce seeds. So it's grass. So really, it's let's grass. think about it, we should, you know, the good old Greeks out there at Ascot Vale, you know, cementing the whole bloody turf <laughs> probably <laughs> helped us good. Instead, we ripped up the cement and we planted a grass. We should just be, we should be Greek and just cement the whole lot. <laughs> yeah, but it's not really the grass that's local. It's the grass out in Western Victoria. Oh, okay. So oh. it's not the grass. We need yeah. a lot of Greeks to cement the whole of Western Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and that's not going to be good to grow things, is no, it? No, the cows not. don't like that. <laughs> things in pots. Yeah, okay, well, we'll stick with the grass. <laughs> yeah. Ed, why does the pollen season start officially on October 1, and how long does it last? Oh, I, I decided that for um, very practical reasons a long time ago. So I've been doing this uh, gig for 20 years, right? doing the pollen count for Melbourne, and I just decided I was going to start on October 1st. So you're the man, when we watch the weather forecast, yeah. and we see, oh, there's a pollen count of such and such today, but it's always retrospective. Isn't it? Yeah, so it's it's a past twenty four hours, so it's an average count of grass in a box of air, which is about a metre on all sides. So do you go out there with the box on the roof and like <laughs> yeah. like in a, and grab it, the it's air, like magically like that? Like that? We, we do it a little bit more technical than that. But what happens it is? if someone broke wind when they were walking through? Would that come through <laughs> on your test? <laughs> we wouldn't see that. You can't see... G- uh, wind of that type down the microphone. Okay, I was just wondering, because I thought if someone like, accidentally passed wind and you grabbed your box and went, oh, you know, you can have a... <laughs> the pollen count's going to go through the roof if it was you. <laughs> Why does Melbourne seem to be particularly bad for hay fever compared to other Australian cities, or is that a myth? Uh, yeah, look, if you want to Google up uh, worst hay fever or hay fever capital of the world, you'll find lots of places want to claim that as a title. So it's going to be more about seasons. So some in a wet year, 
uh, and grass growth is really driven by rainfall. Uh, in a wet year, Melbourne can be appalling. Uh, and we have things like thunderstorm asthma, which is related to pollen as well. Yeah, that's could, crazy, isn't it? Because that, that thunder that got people last year, I mean, people died. Oh, 2016. I mean, 2016. Two years ago, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of scary. Who would have thought a thunderstorm... Who would have thought pollen would, could be a weapon? Yes, like so, a, of mass destruction. So, how does what is thunderstorm asthma? Like, what? How does the pollen interact with the thunderstorm? What yeah, happens there? yeah. So, uh, it's a rare phenomenon. It happens in Melbourne on a sort of semi-regular basis, uh, but it, it's when you've got uh, so thunderstorm asthma itself is a sudden increase in people seeking emergency assistance for uh, respiratory problems shortly after a thunderstorm. So that's a very descriptive title. So mm-hmm. people having asthma attacks en masse shortly after a thunderstorm. So what's thought to happen and, and what happened on the, in 2016, in November 2016, was a line of thunderstorms moved across the state. So it wasn't just in Melbourne. It hit right across Western Victoria as well. A uh, line of thunderstorms coming across, and it was a north-south line of thunderstorms, and it was kind of moving across a bit like a broom moving across the state like a broom and they were pushing that pollen in. Pushing all the pollen ahead so it's coming in a dense... It was, it was was quite a dense thing but to get asthma you need to break up the pollen. The pollen's too big. Even though it's small, it's too big to get into the lungs so it has to be broken up so there is a fragmentation process and we're not quite sure how that happens but you can imagine this this mist of, uh, Mm. of fragmented pollen moving across the state uh, hit Melbourne where a lot of susceptible people are about five thirty, six o'clock in the afternoon when everyone's leaving work, getting out, enjoying a nice afternoon uh, and uh, a lot of people who are susceptible suddenly fell foul of that. So once you get exposed to the pollen, yep. how long until symptoms start in the body? Is it- it's pretty, pretty instantaneous. So it's, it's a very quick uh, response. Uh, these are fragments coming down into the lungs and causing constriction of the chest uh, and also inflammation of the airways and people can't breathe and that's sort of you think about it that's the most fundamental thing that we do is, is well, breathe well I can remember having a daughter with croup and watching your child not been able to breathe yeah. it was the scariest moment of my whole entire yeah. life and yeah. yeah so and 10 people died in that instance and thousands sought uh, wow. help at hospitals and so on so up until now we've had to wait until we you know we feel the symptoms don't yep. we and, and, and then take an antihistamine or whatever but, yeah. but it's already hit us yeah. Um, but you've developed a website that will give us the tools to be able to predict when it's going to happen. So beforehand. there's, so we do a, a pollen forecast, a grass pollen forecast, and we also uh, have a relationship with the Bureau of Meteorology and the Department of Health and Human Services to provide a thunderstorm asthma forecast as well. Uh, so that goes up on the emergency Vic Emergency website, and then we also mirror that information too. Right. So we could go to this website and I could say, okay, well, like we've got it up now and we're having a look at it. It's yep. Melbourne Even Pollen. Even I can use it. You can use it's it too, Tom. And this is, um, here we go, Melbourne Pollen count today is low. low. Yeah. But yeah. I can move it and I can have a look in Brisbane. Let's see what you're doing. Oh, you're low too. Yeah. Yeah, they're okay. So you're safe. But there's so. a red dot up the top of the yeah. country. So there's... Oh, it's because I'm in Brisbane? Yep. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sometimes. <laughs> Here I am, it's like as if I'm telling him what to do. Oh, I'm teaching. <laughs> professor. Oh, sorry, you're the professor. Oh, yeah. Oops. And if the pollen count's forecast to be high, yep. what preventative measures should we take? Okay, so I think one of the things is we've got to prepare for the season. Uh, so it's a bit like the fire warnings and so on. If it's a 
forecast to be a high fire day, you're not going to go out there and start lighting up the barbecue and things like that. So you take sensible precautions. So avoidance is always a good thing, having your medications close at hand. Uh, And I think rather than sort of trying to treat those acute episodes, uh, taking sensible steps to... uh, uh, ahead of that, so if you're an asthmatic, you've got an asthma f- prevention plan, and you're, yeah. and you're taking your uh, preventer medications. And if you're a, a hay fever sufferer, you might be using uh, steroids up the nose uh, right. as a way of reducing inflammation. But you do it when you're not feeling unwell, and so that'll make, mean when you these bad days do strike, you're better prepared for them. Will a mask help? You know, you've seen people getting around with those little face yeah, masks. Those Generally, sure. Uh, so they can keep things out of the nose and mouth. Uh, generally, pollen will go straight through that. Because it's so small, yeah, it's so going small, to go through. But yeah. they're also going to get into your eyes as well. Well, those sneaky little bastards are yeah. trying anyway to get in, aren't so, they? So can you take an antihistamine before, like if you know it's going to be high tomorrow, yeah. could I get up in the morning and take one and then hopefully prevent it from happening? Or is that more uh, once Look, it's it, I think it's horses for courses. It's, if you find that a good way of managing your... Uh, hay fever, right? Then absolutely, that's a good way of doing it. Uh, antihistamines tend to be a bit expensive, so uh, and it's a cost which all comes to you. So some people tend to be a bit more cautious about using them. But if you want, if you find that taking a uh, an antihistamine a day ahead of uh, a high pollen day helps you, then absolutely knock yourself out. Do F- it. Fantastic. So if you want to check out the website, you can head to melbournepollen.com. Au FYI, today's pollen forecast is low, as we met before. Professor Ed, thanks for coming into Joy this morning. It's been a pleasure. Saving thanks us a lot of sneezes. Wake up with Tom and Warren. Thursdays for breakfast on Joy. Tune in to 94.9 in Melbourne. Stream live at joy.org.au or download the Joy app. Available via podcast at joy.org.au on iTunes or your favourite podcasting platform. Joy Podcasts, where you want them, when you want them. Thanks for listening to another Joy Podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.